RPG lessons learned. When the game is over, when your players are gone, that's when lessons are learned. We are at RPG LL Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, RPGLLPodcast at gmail.com, and check us out online at RPGLessonsLearned.com. Hi, welcome to RPG Lessons Learned, the show where you can learn from our mistakes. With me as usual is Brian. Hey, hey. And Mike. Hey, Dusty. So guys, today, back to Pathfinder, back to the Beginner Box campaign for a little session that we named after the fact, Red Vetting. Now, obviously a bit of an allusion to uh, to Game of Thrones there, but uh, it's vetting. Oh, yeah, it is. I, yeah. I'm like, what in the hell is Red Vetting? Yeah. Now, <laughs> the plot of this the plot of the session had nothing to do with that. I just thought it was, you know, I, I, I worked hard to make every title of every Pathfinder session uh, an allusion to something. Gilded cage where I spelled guild, like, you know, thieves guild. Anyway, red vetting. And the idea here was that Shalalu, who in my universe is the captain of the Sandpoint Town Guard, was using you guys to run a war game against her town guard and help train them up. And I called it red vetting because she's vetting her troops. And where we all work, I actually haven't seen one in a while, but there used to be these intrusion exercises where people would try to bypass our campus security. Oh, yeah. And those were called red exercises. I borrowed that idea of a red exercise to basically let you guys run a game within a game. Your characters, you were playing a game, Pathfinder, and in that game, your characters are running a war game with the town guard to see how well-trained they are. And the conclusion was? Not very. Yeah. They, they were not. Yeah, they, they could not stand against you. Um. Much to my annoyance. So let, let me just start off with, well, let's start with ratings. What would you guys, I know it's a while ago, what would you rate this session? Man, I remember we had a lot of fun, but I remember we had a lot of fun because we completely cheesed this <laughs> session. I, I, there's a question I want to ask you later, Mike, of were you laughing at the game or with the game? Ooh. But we'll leave that answer to the side for now. What's your just number off the top of your head? Just shoot from the hip. One to ten. I'll go seven. So at the time, I would have probably said a nine. But thinking back on it critically, probably a six or a seven. Okay. And I can go ahead and say the first thing I just remembered about the session that I popped in my head, I think I remember getting a little frustrated with all the swirl around this game of trying to get a plan together that would work. And for me personally, I find that a little annoying. Planning, that's an interesting point. It's not even in our show notes. Planning is an area where, for whatever reason, the four of you guys, you two, Nathan and Chris, you spend a lot of time. Yeah, we do. And on the one hand, it's my players talking to each other. And I'll be doggone if I'm going to put a stop to it. On the other hand, there are times when, when you guys start planning when I get disengaged. Yeah. When the GM gets bored. Yeah. And that's that's not a problem we often talk about. You guys definitely over-index on planning. What's going on there, do you think? I, I think it's us just trying to come up with the most crazy, elaborate, foolproof plan that we possibly can to make our way to victory. So we want to make it so elaborate and so difficult that it has very little chance of failure. So you're optimizing. You're trying to optimize, optimize, optimize the plan? Yeah. Well, to quote Dwight D. Eisenhower, plans are nothing. Planning is everything. It's 
true. Uh, so actually, I'm thinking back now to a conversation I had today with somebody at work talking about planning and trying to optimize. He was like, sometimes you just need to use the rough sandpaper. You'll never get to the point where you just can buff something out. Like, so it just, your, your plan's going to be rough. We're in a really rough, things aren't great right now. You can optimize until the cows come home, but are you going to get the return on the, on the investment of time? And, uh, I, I'd wager that sometimes we do, uh, perseverate too much on trying to plan things out especially for something that's so inconsequential like a game right like we have literally spent like an hour like a good solid hour at the table going back and forth over a plan just for you know something that happens in 30 seconds of game time so i I think i do get a little frustrated when we go way too far down that rabbit hole but you participate i know i do so what's going on there because that's how we all have a good time and we, we interact and engage. I feel sometimes I try to to drive down the planning, but I know sometimes I, I do the opposite and I, I'll i be the one coming up with the, the, the machinations. And how do we solve that? Do I, do I just look at you and I say, Nathan, you're in charge of planning this week. What's your plan? You have one minute. Egg timer. Yeah. Egg timer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there there may be some honesty to that, right? Because I mean, that's that's something we've heard from other people who do other games of of DMs, GMs don't give players a lot of at table talking time. I think for this one specifically, it may be a little more difficult because it's a, a war game session. But yeah, you guys were at the tavern taking your time figuring this out. How we could do it, but, yeah. But in but in other scenarios, yeah, I've, there have definitely been GMs who have been like, okay, time's up, do or do not. Yeah, and I think we got there with this one where it's like, okay, we, we need to do something now. Yeah. Okay. Um, still not sure how to solve it. I have noticed it. It's rare that I give you guys a chance. Oh man, remember in fourth edition when we were playing the the whole Reavers of Harkenwold campaign and I had that moment where you guys had your territory was was this giant poster map and you had to defend it from a bunch of Iron Circle people you do would come from this direction. Yep, and I gave you thirty minutes of in-game time, and you, my God, you guys laid more trip wires and <laughs> yeah. set stuff up. I mean, you went nuts with this. You went completely nuts with it. Planning is all anyway, well, and that's kind of the thing of it too. Whenever we do it, we do something amazing, like we'll talk about in this game. We did something amazing. So then, why do you want to put a stop to it? I don't know. <laughs> all right, let's let's keep going and see if we can. Figure, figure that, that out. <laughs> Brian, any, any big moments you want to share from this game? Anything you want to get off your chest right out of the gate? So at the time, I thought, man, this is fun, you know, showing how great we are. Uh, but in hindsight, it was really, really easy. And again, we didn't, to Mike's point, I don't. we didn't have the payoff that I think we had just from all of the table talk and all of the, 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 the waiting and the trying to, to, to optimize. Like, it was... I'm trying to think. Really? You feel like you didn't have a payoff? I mean, the, the 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 taco truck plan totally worked. It did. The flying over the wall totally worked. Yes. The 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 ragged approach you took when you just flat out stormed the gate. Payoff. Okay. Pay, payoff isn't the right. I mean, yeah, payoff is the right word. So I think so. We spent a lot of time doing this, and I don't think that we. I don't think I had the return on investment and fun that I might have otherwise had, had it been a little more challenging. There was mm-hmm. no challenge to it whatsoever. Got it. 
we we cheesed our way out of something that could have been potentially fulfilling for our characters or a, a growing moment. We we robbed ourselves of an opportunity to really challenge ourselves as characters. The first section of show notes is was it fun? And we've we've sort of been talking around that. What was it fun? What was the storming the, the storming the base session with you know, no real consequences because you know your characters are playing a war game. You know that you have these bragging rights up for grabs with Shalalu, and that those were the real stakes. That's the risk your character faced. Was that fun? Was it not fun? I remember there being a lot of cheering and overall feeling like we were having fun. If we didn't have fun, we expressed it in a weird way. Yeah, I think you had you had a ton of fun in the moment. Is it just the is it just the lens of hindsight where you're saying no, I didn't? It is for me. Okay, it's hindsight. Like, to your point, like, yes, we got bragging rights on Shalalu, and we were really trying, especially me, I think, really trying to get Shalalu on our side. I really wanted Shalalu to to have a mutual respect. Um, and it was, it, it was awesome in the moment, but, you know, a year later, a year and a half later, that awesome feeling of, you know, Shalalu begrudgingly realizing that, hey, you know, maybe we're you know, more than just, uh, you know, some vagabonds that um, it was great at the time, but it just doesn't, it, it, there's been no interest on that payment. It's just, it, it's kind of depreciated over time. Interesting. Would you say, Brian, that the hindsight lens you're looking at it through is the fact that this didn't add much to the overall campaign? Yeah, probably. Okay. So really that's it. This didn't contribute a lot to, to the ending of the campaign or even the, the- nah. Had we known going in that we were going to end up fighting the town guard, or had we somehow been able to revisit I was that? Trying to foreshadow that. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, but or but like when we got back to uh, the actual last or the denouement of the of the whole thing, uh, we never mentally went back and said, "Well, holy crap, we faced the guard, we, you know, the town guard before." It's like, oh well, you know, we got to fight the town guard. Let's try not to kill him. Um, I don't think that I don't think we incorporated any of that or, uh, of our learnings. We didn't role play to it. Uh, it it effectively had no impact on the way the game worked out. You know that often works out for me. So, Shaun of the Dead. So, warning, audience, spoilers ahead for a ten-year-old plus <laughs> movie, Shaun of the Dead. Um, I didn't realize until I saw a post on you know Reddit or Imgur or whatever stupid meme site years later that. The Shaun of the Dead movie, the first couple minutes where they go around and see other friends, that that first part of the movie foreshadows the entire rest of the movie. That, that everything they do in the first bit, they do in the latter bit, just with, with just having to overcome zombies as well. And in that, I had never realized that. Just recently on Twitter, people pieced together that in The Last Jedi, the moves that Rey used on the stone column are the same moves that Kylo used against spoilers for last jedi which could be a more serious issue it's a much more recent movie <laughs> um well i'll just say against luke there was this exact same move set and i had never pieced that together so the fact brian that you didn't piece it together that you faced the town guard in mock battle and then a few sessions later you faced them in real battle i'm not surprised by but i certainly could have drawn that more tightly and there's some movies that pointed out right there are some movies that in that critical moment, like there are certain directors that would have shot that scene with Ray fighting, or sorry, Kylo fighting Luke, and they would have intercut Ray's moves yeah. 
and you would have been like, oh, they're using the same moves. But it's, it's telegraphic into the audience so blatantly. Um, but there are directors that have done that, that have called back to earlier scenes in the movie during a scene to give you that sense of deja vu. Um, I didn't do that, and I could have. And I think it's fair to say that in a tabletop session where all you have are my words, and you don't have the visuals and the memories and all that, that telegraphing that a little harder could have been, would have been okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess specifically saying it in, in the description, I go back to how would you how would we do it, say, in a novel, and the narrator would... You use know, the exact same words. Yeah, use, or even say, as, you know, just as Luke, you know, raised his sword, uh, you know, Ray raised her sword, you know... Well... Just as just as Ray did this, Kylo did this. Yeah. Um, I think authors probably just would have used the exact same. They, they would have chosen unique words to describe it the first time. Yeah. And then they would have reused those unique words later in the book. And that would have been enough for you to say, oh, yeah. Okay. That's that's interesting. Was it challenging? I'm going to have to say no. Um, just to the fact that we absolutely cheesed our way through it the first time. So much that it caused Shalalu to ask for a rematch. <laughs> when Mike says the first time, <laughs> let's explain to the folks at home. So last time I talked about Pathfinder, I talked about how when we when we uh, played Pathfinder, we used the random treasure because we love the idea of getting stuff that we'd never used before, like Scrolls of Fly. Well, speaking of Scrolls of Fly, <laughs> <laughs> um. Ezrin used a scroll of fly to enable Shalalu to invisible and a scroll of invisibility to invisibly fly over the wall whilst distracting the guards. And so I said Shalalu, I meant Merciel. Sorry, Merciel, the rogue, our rogue, our thief. Um, let Mer let Merciel fly over the wall invisibly to capture the the gem, the flag, basically that was the goal to capture the flag game with you know while distracting the guards. So with no combat whatsoever, with no, with nary a sword swung, these guys, as a result of their planning session, totally cheesed it up and, and, and nailed it. Then, Shalalu, I had her demand a rematch because of how quickly that was over. That was like five minutes of game time. Yeah. If that. Yeah. Shalalu demands a rematch. And then you guys decide to purposely, you know, have one of Nathan's business ventures <laughs> serve the guards bad food. Tainted tacos. Yes, purposely. So they, they had a story we never went into about Nathan stealing this gem of freshness from Ezrin's mentor. Um, we never went into that, but basically took it off the taco truck, took took the freshness spell off, let the meat sit for a while, and then served it to the guards you know, for free. Hey, you guys, free samples. And uh, I, I we did a bunch of rolls to see how many guards got sick, and like half the guards were sick. I cut their constitution in half. Um, I think I had them act as though they were stunned, which meant they could only move or attack. They couldn't move and attack. Um, and then you guys handily just whipped the crap out of the guards through a combination of your planning, your gonzo fun plans, and just the effectiveness of, of your tactics. You guys focused fire. You fought one person at a time. You just used superior tactics. But I agree. It wasn't a challenge at all. And it was a ton of guards. I... I how many guards did I use here? Let me let me refer to the show notes. Sorry to blatantly do this on the air. Eleven guards. <laughs> eleven. Eleven. Yeah. yeah. Four of you versus eleven guards. Yeah. And you totally wiped them out. 
Yeah, it was not a challenge. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm awful at challenging you guys in Pathfinder. Like I, I giving you CRs of your level was stupid. Giving you CRs well above your level still didn't work. I don't know where I'd have to actually give you guys a, an encounter with a CR rating to actually wipe you. And, you know, I, I think that's probably the reason why we tried so hard to turn this into an encounter of wits, right? Because we knew we were at this point in the campaign where you were looking to challenge us combat-wise. And so every time we had the opportunity to swing that combat in our favor through some silliness, through some ingenuity, we absolutely took took advantage of that. And we absolutely took advantage of this. We we gave ourselves the advantage over these guards by introducing all sorts of variables that, that weren't in your original design. And your justification was so good at I couldn't see saying no. And I don't want to disable you. I want to enable you. I want to enable your play. I want to enable your fun. Yep. All right, so here's the key question, Brian, bringing it back to where you were earlier. Was this game worth your time? Gonzo fun or not, and hey, it was Gonzo fun. There were a lot of laughs, a lot of jokes, a lot of enjoyment. I think we walked out of the session saying, hey, it was great. But with the benefit of the rest of the campaign, to give it context, was this session worth our time? Even isolated outside of the benefits from the rest of the campaign, I can't even think of a game that we've had that was not at least worth the time to do it. Um, I mean, sometimes, you know, we all have priorities, other things pop up that we need to do, but, you know, we make time to, to play the game. <sighs> I mean, the only game I can think of, uh, off the top of my head that if I could go back and not play it, you didn't run it. It was, we, uh, we happened to play it at Mace last year. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So okay. This, Got this, it. This the I only... was like, oh, is he talking about one of the games I ran? Damn. No, no. <laughs> you were grinning. I'm like, I thought, I was like, oh, you know where I'm going. But no. Uh, I think the funny, one... funny story for you. Yeah. I've gotten into another YouTuber named Seth Skorkowski. And look him up, Seth, Seth Skorkowski. I'm not going to try to spell his last name, but you type Seth and then S K O R and you'll find him on YouTube. Dude is a is an indie author, publishes his own books, his own ebooks, does a lot of really great YouTube videos about GMing. Really enjoy his stuff. Really well done videos. Just him. He dresses in different costumes. It's good stuff. Check it out. Um, anyway, he's been talking a lot about the more recent edition of Call of Cthulhu. I went and spent the money on the the set, the slipcase set of the three core rule books of Call of Cthulhu seventh edition. I already had sixth edition. I went and bought 7th edition, even though I know there's no way I'll ever convince you guys to play. <laughs> I, mean, I, I bought it. it, and I've actually been reading it. I've been reading it every night, flipping through the, the investigator's handbook and the and the keeper's handbook, and I've been enjoying the heck out of it. But I don't think you'll ever play Cthulhu again. Uh, I'd be willing to give it a I, try. I have, I have no qualms about playing the system again. It yeah. was the GM. Yeah. No, no, I hear you. Yeah. Now, no, like... In our um, next campaign, are are we married to the system that we're going to do for the uh, actual play? For the Romans in space? We hadn't revealed, Mike, yet that it was Romans in space. My bad. Do we need to edit that? No. I think I think you just did a Tom Holland-style spoiler Whoops. in front of the press conference, and it's okay now. Whoops. Do I need to do the Bane voice? Um, if we're doing the Romans in space, then I feel married to what we've chosen. Because the Romans in space is part of the core rulebook for the for the system that we've chosen, and there's a lot of tie in there. Okay. However, enough. I have some really good ideas for a Dungeon World campaign. I've got some other ideas for some other stuff. If you'd like to do other stuff, 
I don't feel up to running a Call of Cthulhu campaign for actual play, if that's where you were going, Brian. That's where I was going. There's yeah. a lot of baggage there that I just don't feel. There's a lot of lore there that I wouldn't feel confident to do. Um, I don't know as much about I, I enjoy it, but I don't know as much about it. That would be like me running a Transformers game and trying to put it out to a Transformers audience where I don't know a whole lot about Transformers. I know a lot about role play and I know a lot about players, but my lore would get picked apart. Uh, I mean, I I don't think that's a problem. I mean, I I think in 2003, probably in 2018, I don't think anybody anybody'd care. Yeah, we have so many people who are in the fandom now from the movies, and the movies are hot your fandom, the Transformers fandom. Uh, I thought you were talking about Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, Call of Cthulhu. No, those people know. absolutely care. Yeah, and and they should. It, they it, should. It, it's yeah. a it's a rich world with a lot of history oh, yeah. uh, and a lot of authors collaborating and putting each other's stuff in their works and it's really interesting and i love reading about it but it's so complicated that running it would be fun running it for the air oh i don't yeah. know about that yeah anyway um was it worth our time so our time as players brian you're saying yes because we had fun and it was a good experience awesome i hear you great compliment i'll take it was it did it add to the campaign no i don't think so I think it helped in kind of damaging our relationship with Shalalu further, right? So we've been... You thought it damaged the relationship? We've been having that whole arc where Shalalu, you know, we, we were the bane of Shalalu's existence. Things in her town was perfect until we came along and then all of a sudden there's vampires and supernatural stuff and... You know, all these things that run counter to her understanding, and, and most of it was our fault. And I think this, where we just bested her best guards, kind of kind of, kind of put a little bit more distance between her and us. It made her feel like a smaller fish in a bigger pond. Right. All of a sudden, even bigger fish had come to Sandpoint, and, it, and she wasn't dealing well with it. It was just another link in the chain of her world being destroyed so it helped develop your relationship with shalalu yeah and that's what i intended to do so so you felt that so good i don't completely regret this then one last question about was it worth our time would we ever play our characters playing a war game or a simulation or training ever again did that serve any purpose did it serve any function could you see us revisiting that concept yeah i mean yeah i mean i don't see why not in my mind, that's kind of, I wouldn't call it a trope, but it's a, it's a narrative, uh, it's a narrative tool that has been employed before, will be employed again. Um, I, I, in, under different circumstances, I don't see why, why we wouldn't. I think can. it's a tool. Right. I think if any GMs are listening to this episode and they run a game with a lot of investigation and players that just are not willing to get into fights because, hey, fights are deadly. Number one, I salute your players because that's a very realistic point of view because fights in general are a bad idea in real life. But if you want to give your players who treat fighting very seriously kind of a fun, um, gonzo, hey, let's at least try out the combat mechanics, then a, a session where you're playing a war game with some town guard to help train them up might be a good way to really take the combat rules for test drive with no quote-unquote real... <laughs> in game real consequences. I also think there's an opportunity that if you wanted to create some real game in game consequences, you could do war games between like competing nations 
and have that be like the kickoff of some sort of international diplomacy dispute. Ooh, the war games go bad when the prince actually does get injured. Yep. Who was using a live blade? Yep. Why was this lance tipped? You know, or, or whatever the case may be. What a fun idea for a hook. Hey, there you go. That's a free one for me. All right. So overall lessons that we learned here. All right. Did I learn anything about your gonzo plans and your gonzo planning? Nothing you didn't already know. <laughs> you guys love to do it, but you also hate to do it. You have a love-hate relationship with planning. Um, ha- did the gonzo stuff that you did, the tainted meat on the taco truck, the flying and invisibility, did that cheapen the victory or was it legitimately fun? Do That's you wish a hard question. I'll ask it differently. Do you wish I'd said no to that? No. Yes. Tainted meat. I don't think the flying cheapened it. I mean, I think that's completely rational and plausible to, to, to do that within the, the the system. The other, I mean, it's it's a matter of role-playing and the dice cooperating and everything. But as far as, like, a war games goes, I mean, going back to the, like, would somebody actually employ that during a war game scenario? Like, in a Revenge of the Nerds movie, you're sure. <laughs> But not so yeah. much like in an actual war game scenario. So much of my storytelling sensibility is, unfortunately, drawn from movies of the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> like, like at the end of Real Genius, when they put all that popcorn in, in, in the guy's house and they pop it with lasers and destroy his house. Um, there's all this gonzo stuff that happens in 80s movies that's totally ridiculous. And it's totally unbelievable. But in the 80s, you were like, oh, it's hilarious. It's amazing. Good call. And I, I feel more informed by that sensibility than I should be. Like, like, in, 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 like in, in this game, going back, I wish uh, Shalalu had been like, Ezran! You know, just yelling, yeah. upset, just like, like an angry Dean. Yeah. Yeah. Would you have liked it if I would have given you starting context? Like, okay, it's a war game. Here's the scenario. You guys are in the woods here. And you have to just get through with no prep. Go. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, I can see that. So maybe put 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 you on a bit of a rail to begin with, and let you branch out from there. Yeah. Yeah. Versus letting you go buy whatever you want in town and involve everyone in the town on on you know bringing the the taco truck by and all that kind of stuff. Involve your crime syndicate. Yeah. <laughs> Involving your crime syndicate in the war game. Yeah. It felt very dirty dozen to me though. It did. Yeah. Yeah. I it. it even at the time, I admit, something feels different. And Brian, you pointed that out. It's, it's a beautiful point you're making. The flying over the wall invisibly, fair enough. The tainted meat and the poisoning the guards with food poisoning, there is something different about those two no, those two uh, plans, those two notions, those two whatever. There's something different. And at the time, I felt it, and I still feel it emotionally. I can't put my finger on it intellectually to be able to create a rule for myself to say, here's why that one's okay. And here's why that one's not okay. How, how did, and then this is what I'm having trouble remembering. How do we justify that the guards actually stopped this war game enterprise and went and ate tacos from a taco truck? Did, they, we, did we win a roll? Um, yes, you did. Okay. You won several rolls. And, and the setup was the guards had to wait for your attack. Yeah. Is there normal meal? So oh, okay. the guards we're, we're guarding this fake fortress for like a couple of days and you have like two days to attack yep. and you guys purposely waited <laughs> for them to get bored and complacent and stop paying attention. And then you sent the food truck by and I had, 
I had a bunch of persuasion checks to see how many guards actually take them up on it. I remember that part. And then I had the constitution checks to see who's actually affected by it. Yep. And it wasn't half the guards. It was way less than that. It was actually like a quarter or something. And had it not worked out, we still would have had our way with them. Yeah. Yeah, you would have. Probably. Yeah. I still can't come up with that with that intellectual ruler to say, here's why that one's fine. Here's why that one's not fine. I can't put my finger on it. And that bothers me. But I'm not going to delay the show for that. So war games as a potential way to introduce combat to your sessions. If you have um, players who are who are very frankly responsible about combat, a great attitude. But if you want to if you want to let them have some you know, cut loose and have some fun, consider a war game. Um, also, Gonzo crazy plans. Is it right for your table? It's up to you. I can't come up with that rule of thumb for me. But even if I could, it would be for me. Wouldn't be for you. So think about the tone that you're setting and uh, think about saying no. And I wish if I can go back in time, Mike, even though I put my finger on it, I had that feeling like it was too far. I wish I could go back in time and be like, yeah, I mean, this, I feel, I don't feel good about this one. I don't feel, or, or have the town guard simply insist, no, we're eating our rations. I, I could have put a stop to it that way. I wish I'd listened to my gut there. You know, listening to my gut is rarely a bad thing. Yeah. But I, so I, I often suspend it in favor of what you guys want to do. Good time hijinks. Yeah. Maybe listen to your gut when it comes to what you'll allow in. Um, challenging. I don't know what to say about the CR math and Pathfinder. It exists. It exists. <laughs> it exists. And then here's a case where, I mean, at the end of our campaign, I pointed out that I didn't use it very well. I, I used it here and it still didn't work out. Uh, and it wasn't worth our time. Hey, it, it developed some character ships it, or relationships. It foreshadowed some stuff, and I should have underlined that foreshadowing later when it came to fruition. I should have underlined it. it, it it's, a, it's a tabletop campaign. It's a lot of talking. It had been like five sessions by the time this foreshadowing came to fruition. I should have stopped and underlined it and connected the dots for everyone. All right. Thank you for listening. People call them postmortems, evaluations, appraisals, reviews, retrospectives. We call them lessons learned, and we're sharing ours with you.